Hello and welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. This week we're continuing our series called 30-Minute Theology. Last week, Pastor Nicole and Pastor Quentin Lindblad discussed why we can find the Bible trustworthy. This week they're going to be discussing how to define the Trinity. It's a great topic and a great conversation, so let's get started. Here's Pastor Nicole. So we're continuing our series today um, called 30-Minute Theology, and in this series, we're tackling five big questions that we often ask about God. And so we provided a little note sheet for you as you came in so you can really capture some things that are interesting to you. Our hope is that this sort of whets your whistle, if you will. Uh, 30 minutes is a small amount of time for us to kind of put a concept out to you that you can then go through the week and say, I have a question about that, or let me ask someone about that, or let me talk to my small group about it. It's really a a trigger that we want you guys to just begin to dig deep on. And so the other thing we did was we provided invitation cards in your pew rack and Bibles. Um, We have put brand new Bibles in all of the pews. And we'd love for you to think of somebody in your life who also has questions about God, someone who has questions about the scripture. You can take one of those Bibles, take one of those invite cards and tell them to come with you this month um, as they come and and just hear more about what... um, things about God. And so we, our hope is that we would um, help you in this Lenten season as we're doing this together, give you something to dig into, uh, talking about our theology, which is what we actually think about God, which is so important. So today we're going to look at the Bible's view on the Trinity. Um, and so that's been a really great thing for Pastor Quentin and I. We've studied it um, over these past few weeks. Now, there are a lot of analogies uh, that people have used over time to describe the Trinity, and all analogies fall short because nothing can actually uh, compare to the nature of our amazing God. Um, but, Pastor Quentin, I brought you a gift today. All right. Um, in honor of our Trinity conversation. All right. Let's see what we have here. I brought you a gift. It's the most subtle spring shirt I, I have in my wardrobe. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Oh, here we go. Is all right. Is there cheese? No. <laughs> all right. No, there is not cheese. A, okay. A giant pretzel. Do you know why? I, <laughs> put it up to your face. I'm pretty sure it's as big yeah. as your face. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Someone get that. Someone Instagram that right there. All right. All right. So, why, do you know? Do you know why I brought you a pretzel today? Um, I do not. Okay. No. <laughs> well, according to legend, during my research, I thought this was fascinating. Um, The pretzel was actually invented by a monk several hundreds of years ago who wanted to teach the children in his village about the Trinity. And so he would take this big, long piece of dough, and he would uh, loop it into a shape. And so this one piece of dough would become a shape with three holes. See that? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if one of the holes came out, it wouldn't really be a pretzel. And so he made this sort of edible uh, object lesson for the the kids in his little village. He was a kid's monk? He was a kid's monk. Like a kid's pastor? Yeah, I think that makes sense. And so you'll never look at a pretzel again. I will not. That same way, will you? I've been a professional soft pretzel eater a lot of my life, so I'm surprised. This is like bringing a whole new, a whole new uh, it's love for... It's now a spiritual expression. It's not worship. <laughs> it totally is. So like you're it. welcome. You're welcome for that. Um, so the actual word Trinity is actually never found in the Bible. So if you uh, try to use your 
um, back of your index of your Bible. You cannot search for the word Trinity. But the idea of the word is affirmed in many places. And I want to show you three places in scripture uh, where it's truly highlighted so that we know that this is a concept that God is trying to explain to us. So the first is in the very beginning in Genesis 1.26. The verse says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so this word us, this word are, actually implies that there's more than one person involved in creation. There's more than one person standing up there saying this is how it's all gonna be. There's obviously more than one. (laughs) We know that, and that is what that implies. Then we can look, secondly, when Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, uh, we see that the heavens open, A dove descends and comes to rest on Jesus, and a voice from heaven declares, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So we actually see here all three members of the Trinity performing distinct activities. God the Father is speaking, God the Son is being baptized, and God the Holy Spirit is resting on the Son. And so this is a little glimpse of the Trinity at work. Here's a third example found in Matthew 28, 19. Jesus sends his disciples out to do work, and he commands them, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, say this part with me, in the name of the Father, Father, Son, Son, and and Holy Spirit. Spirit. So Jesus himself is acknowledging and affirming all three distinct members of the Godhead. There are other scriptures as well, but those are the three that I chose for us to just highlight today. So here's what we know about the Trinity. I'm gonna just give you a quick, a brief uh, rundown of it. You might wanna write this down on your paper. Makes me feel good. Um, Also write down pretzel, get a pretzel for your family. Um, So number one, each of the persons of the Trinity are fully God. So every person in the Trinity is fully God. So it is not like uh, the three members of the Trinity are distinct, but that doesn't mean that one is inferior to the other. That doesn't mean that one is more important than the other, or one calls all the shots and the other one doesn't. Now, this also doesn't divide God into three parts like a piece of a pie. One third God, one third Father, one third Son, one third Holy Spirit. It's not like that. Uh, Instead, they're all identical in attributes. They're all identical in authority. They're all 100% God, Mm -hmm. all three of them. They're all equal in power, equal in love, equal in mercy, justice, holiness, knowledge, all the other qualities, they all are equal in all of them. Okay, the second thing to know about the Trinity is that there is only one God. This is really important. There is only one God. Okay, so the Bible is clear that there is only one God and not three Believing there are three gods would be a a language called polytheism. We don't believe that. We believe in one God, monotheistic, right? Deuteronomy 6.4 says the Lord is one. And this is repeated throughout scripture. Isaiah 45.5 says I am the Lord. There is no other. Besides me, there is no God. So both number one and number two are hard to understand because they can both be the truth at the same time. There are three distinct persons yet of the Trinity, and yet it's one God undivided. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can't fully grasp this idea, uh, you're in good company because neither can the rest of humankind, okay? Uh, because it is just not something uh, that we can fully understand. But we would be foolish to reject everything we didn't understand. Right. Am I right? Yeah. We'd be foolish to reject that because thank God we serve a God who is far above 
our own understanding. And so the Trinity is one of those mysteries of God that we can only describe in part. We can only understand it in part until we get to heaven. Nothing in creation is like God. No soft pretzel in all the land. And so as hard as we try to understand, we can't compare it to anything that we know because there is nothing like it. And it will take faith for you to begin to wrap your mind around this theological truth, specifically because number one and number two on the list are basically, uh, you know, can't. In our in human world can't actually exist. But in the supernatural it does. Now theologians sometimes speak of they use this word um, triunity or triune, triune. So if you hear these two words, that's also talking about this idea that there's unity and there's diversity in one word, that that's what's happening there. The triune God is another way of saying the same thing, that all the the people of God are are fully God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they're only one. We believe in only one true God. Okay, number three, the Trinity always operates in unity. Always operates in unity. So here's uh, the idea with that. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, since they're one, they have one will. So they're always working together. So never one small act is done without all of the others cooperating. So there isn't, uh, the Holy Spirit isn't working on something that the Father does not want him to. And the Son, everything he did here on earth and everything he continues to do is in will with the Father. And so every act of God is accomplished in unity among the three persons. Number four, and the last one I have, is the Trinity is eternal. The Trinity is eternal. One mistake that we can make, a serious error we can make theologically, is to think that the Father became the Son, and then the Son became the Holy Spirit, because the Son was here. This is not true. Contrary to this, the scriptures tell us that God always was and always will be three persons. There was never a time when one of the persons of the Godhead did not exist. They are all eternal. And so hopefully that's just a a quick overview, a helpful overview, as we're talking about this idea of the Trinity in the scripture. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, What I would add to that uh, is that the importance of theology is that it can actually translate into your everyday life. So if all it is is a bunch of uh, academia or book knowledge, but it doesn't actually translate into your everyday life, I would suggest it's really not that useful to you. So um, if, if all we have is knowledge, but we don't have the application in our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, our, our goings and our comings, then we're missing the mark. And so as we prayed last week, Philippians 1.9, uh, this was kind of our closing prayer over the service, was that we would grow in love and knowledge and depth of insight so that we may discern what is best and to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So the point of all of this is not just education, but it's also application and it is to be used in our everyday life. So that's our hope today. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14, where these verses will be up on the screen. John 14, let me just read it to you and then we'll kind of unpack it. It says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So here's what I wrote down. I think what is really happening here in John chapter 14 is Jesus is kind of peeling back the curtain for us on this relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is showing us his relationship with the Trinity and also explaining to us our relationship with the Trinity. He says he will ask the Father and the Father will give us the Holy Spirit. He tells us in verse 20 that he does nothing apart from the Father, like Pastor Nicole was saying, and that we will reciprocate or show our love for him by knowing and keeping his commands. But the best part to the whole thing is that he's practically gonna let us cheat on the test by giving us the Holy Spirit and empowering us to do it. So we're not left to keep those commands on our own. We will have the Holy Spirit inside of us to keep those commands. Um, I would encourage you, John, honestly, John 14 through 17, we don't have time to read all of this now, but this whole Trinity conversation, Jesus really unpacks in all three of those, four of those chapters. I wouldn't even pay attention to the chapter breaks if I were you as you read them, but go home this week, read through them. There's this continuation of thought and Jesus is truly unpacking it. When you get into John 15, he talks about his role as the vine and ours as the branches and the, fa the father is the vine keeper or the gardener. At the end of chapter 15, he says this, I will give you the spirit of truth who goes out from the father. And so I think as I was reading through this this week, what stuck out to me is that Jesus endlessly points to the father and the Holy Spirit repeatedly points us back to Jesus. And the father gave us both that we might be redeemed by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there's just this amazing uh, relationship among all of the parts. So I would kind of sum that up saying it this way. Um, the, three, the three persons of the Trinity are, they are equal yet separate. They are unique yet the same. And they are in sync, not in sync, the band, but they are in sync yet all functioning in distinct roles, okay? So write that down on your notes real fast. They're equal yet separate. They are unique yet the same. They are in sync yet all functioning in distinct roles. And I think really what we're trying to do, Pastor Nicole spoke to some of this, is we're trying to put our very limited language around this extremely difficult subject and this, this hard to understand thing. But I think what it does is it speaks to the amazingness of our God and the difference between our God, the one true God, and all the other gods that man has created in our image. Pastor Nicole talked from Genesis. And in Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image. I think what man has tried to do uh, ever since the fall is try to make a God in our image that we understand, that we can explain, that we can box up. Hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes we even do that with the one true God because parts of it are just so outside of our understanding. But it takes faith and to, to let go of those things and embrace who the Trinity truly is. So I would say we believe and accept these truths by faith. And as we gain understanding, we look to apply that understanding in our daily lives. All right? Um, because of that, you can show others the Father with your life, just like Jesus did. And all of this is possible because the Holy Spirit is working in us 
and through us. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So it's interesting because the Trinity, we, we kind of both talked about it, raises a lot of questions. It raises a lot of things we can't quite understand. It, it's complex, but it does help us answer some questions. So that's helpful. So let me, let me give you some uh, questions I think the Trinity does answer for us. The first is, uh, what was God doing before he created the universe? Anyone ever thought about that? Like, what was he doing before he created the universe? There wasn't the NFL or Netflix, okay? So we can rule those things out. So what was he doing? What was he doing before he created the world, the universe? And the Trinity teaches us that before the foundation of the world, God was having fellowship. That the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were together. That's what the scripture says. In fact, I love this window we see into the, this time period, John 17, 24. Jesus is talking. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you have loved me before the creation of the world. It's like a little trip down memory lane for Jesus. Before the creation of the world, I remember you loving me. We, we had that. So God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit have forever communicated. They forever loved each other. And so it's interesting because our human desire for intimacy, our human desire for communication, our human desire to be close to each other, to be in relationship, is actually birthed out of this idea of the Trinity, that that's what they were doing from the beginning of time. And we are made to communicate. We are made to have relationship. We are made in the image of the Trinity. Right. So another question the Trinity answers, at least in part, is why did God even create man? Or maybe this answers the question, the reason why God didn't create man, is we can rule out the idea that God created man because he needed a friend. Or that God created man because he needed people to do his bidding. Those aren't the reasons. Because God was and is never lonely. He has always had fellowship with the the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's always been fellowship. And he didn't create us because he needed us. God could have existed forever without us, but instead, he chose to create mankind to love us. He chose to create mankind so he could come close to us and have relationship with us. So the last question I think that the Trinity answers is, uh, it helps us understand what actually happened on the cross. And so sometimes this is a difficult part of the scripture because um, it actually appears at first glance or at first read um, that the Trinity is fractured. If you remember, Jesus is on the cross and at the peak of Jesus' suffering on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. And, and we see this moment where it actually appears in the natural that God has left Jesus. Now, at that moment, we know that Jesus bore the full weight of the sins of the world, that supernaturally all of evil was poured out onto him. And God, who is too holy to look upon sin, too, too holy to be a part of that intensely evil moment, had no choice but to abandon the sin to the cross. That is what he had to do. And so instead of viewing this as a moment where the Trinity came apart, I really believe that we need to see it as a display of the Trinitarian love that we have never known before. Mm. That the Father sent the Son... He gave up the one that he loved so much. We just talked about how he loved him before the beginning of time, before the creation of all the universe. And the son, Jesus Christ, willingly gave up his life on the cross for us. 
This wasn't a, a moment where the father and the son uh, had a fracture. This was an ultimate act of teamwork. Oh, this funny. was God who is love, God fighting the sin because he knew it would hurt us. And how did he decide to do it? How did he decide to be victorious over sin once and for all? Well, he sent Jesus who would, who would die on the cross, who would take the place of every sinner, past, present, and future, who would take the place of me and who would take the place of you. And so what's happening on the cross is not like a good cop, bad cop situation. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are working together to cleanse and to conquer sin and death once and for all. Yeah, and the good. cross is actually a beautiful demonstration. That's right. Thank you, Jesus, for that. The cross is actually a beautiful demonstration of the Trinity working for the salvation of the world. We were so lost and broken. We needed all three parts of the Godhead yeah, yeah. To, to, to help us get back into relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So good. Um, li listen to these words. We sang these this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This well-known song is known as the doxology. So if you're wondering, if you're, what was that song we sang? Doxology. Google that on your drive home. Um, not while you're driving. Not while you're driving, before you leave the parking lot. Um, but as I reviewed uh, this discussion on the Trinity this last week, I, I came across um, the definition of a doxology let me read it to you. It says, among Christian traditions, a doxology is typically an expression of praise sung to the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's not the only doxology. It's the most popular one uh, that we still sing today in churches. Um, but if you actually read through the New Testament, the end of Romans 11 contains a doxology. Uh, the end of 2 Corinthians the end of First Thessalonians, the beginning of Revelation, these all contain their own doxologies, this appearance and praise sung to all three persons of the Godhead. I'm sure that there's more. Those are just some for you to look through this week. Um, but actually, kind of some of my closing thoughts here, I wanted to look at one from the, the letter written by Jude. So Jude is just one, in most Bibles, one or one and a half uh, pieces of paper uh, in your Bible uh, right before Revelation. So turn to the back of the book. In fact, there's just the one chapter, so you can just call out the verses. But Jude 1, 20 to 25 is what we're going to read today. And hopefully, like we said earlier, our goal is that this actually can apply in your everyday life. So I'm hoping to give you some practical things that the Trinity can and will and does do in your life to help you walk out every single day. So let me read this to you. It says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. So you see all three there, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God the Father's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Verse 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt, save others by snatching them from the fire to show others mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So the, the this is, God the Father giving us a role to play in this. And as I was reading this, these three things stuck out to me. Verse 20 says, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and then mentions all three persons of the Trinity, like we said, but then these are the three things we can do because of the Trinity working in and through us. Uh, 
The first one is we can be merciful to doubters. So verse 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. The second one says, save others by snatching them from the fire. And the third one is show mercy mixed with holy fear. You see, when we have built up our holy faith and we're growing in these things and we're understanding the Trinity and we're leaning into all three persons that make up our complex God, that's when we're gonna be able to do these three things. We cannot do them on our own strength. We cannot do them uh, from our own effort, but with him working through us, we can do all three of these things. Um, one of my favorite authors and teachers said it recently this way, we are fairly leaky cups meaning we regularly need to be refilled and replenished, and we are fickle and complex and unpredictable human beings, okay? And so I think it's amazing that our, our God is equally, not fickle, but complex, and that he meets us in this multifaceted way that we need to be met, and that there are times um, when we need to build ourselves up more in the Holy Spirit, there are times, just like it's saying here, that we need to keep ourselves in God's love. And there are times we need to remind ourselves of the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's that uh, in sync, yet operating in distinct roles, okay? So in our perfect Father, we find the love and acceptance that we absolutely need. In Jesus, we find the redemption and salvation we never could have earned on our own, like Pastor Nicole talked about. And in the Holy Spirit, we find the empowerment and guidance to live victoriously every single day. So I think uh, we can kind of end this week, how we started last week, as out as that sounds. The Bible can handle any questions that we're going to throw at it. The answers are in here. But I heard someone say it this way once, answers are reserved for the seekers. Okay, Matthew 7 tells us, knock and the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find. Everyone who asks will receive and those who seek will find. Listen, answers are not just reserved for pastors. Answers are not just reserved for the privileged or the holy or people who grew up in church their whole life. Answers are simply reserved for those who are willing to seek for them. And so if we're willing to seek in and you say, I have no idea where to look, well, that's the point of this, of coming together every single week and getting some guidance and, and being told, read through John 14 through 17, trying to give you some direction on that. But also feel free to reach out. Feel free to, to ask. We love to, to dig into this word together and try to find these answers um, as a community of faith. Yeah. Uh, just to, yeah, as we close up here, um, Pastor Quint, did you, I stumped you with the pretzel. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I have another stumper for you this morning. Um, did you know that actually this theology of the Trinity is what actually killed Jesus? I did know that. Well, one, one out of two today. 50-50. <laughs> What's your batting average? Um, I found that, I think I knew that, but when I began to sit and think about it, mm. you may... Um, the Trinity might be something you've heard of, you, you, you kind of know about, you couldn't try, quite explain it. But why this is such an important thing for us to hang on to so tightly as a community of faith is because the religious people of that day were outraged that Jesus would claim equality to God. Right. Right. And that is the very thing that led Jesus to the cross. That they said they don't, they don't accept it and they accused Jesus of the highest crime. Yeah. The Trinity is the very crime 
that Jesus died for on the cross. Now here's something really fascinating. Uh, the three largest monotheistic, which we talked about as believing in one God, the three largest monotheistic religions in the world are Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That's about 50% of the world's population. Now within these three religions, the only one who accepts the Trinity is Christianity. That Judaism still finds the idea of believing God, Jesus as God, very offensive and outside of the Old Testament scripture. And so this theology of the Trinity is really important to our faith conversation. You really need to have this on lock if you are calling yourself a Christian. And so two centuries after Jesus was crucified, a group of Christians, uh, many were persecuted for their faith in God and the Trinity. They met in a city called Nikea, and they came up with a statement of faith that they would learn and that they would repeat together every time they worshiped. Now you have to know that when they repeated this, it was their life on the line. I mean, this wasn't just some uh, great song that the worship leader was telling them to say, but as they were declaring that the Trinity is real and true and that they believe that Jesus, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were fully God, but only one God, that this mantra that they would repeat would be something that would literally put their lives on the line. But for more than 1,600 years, this stood as a creed that condenses theological language that aligns with the teaching of the New Testament concerning the Trinity. And what we call it now is the Nicene Creed. It pays tribute to the Holy Spirit as being himself God and equal to the Father and to the Son. And so to end today, I want us to say this together. Uh, along with uh, the early Christians, along with all the people that got persecuted for their faith because they declared this, Let's not take this lightly or for granted that we can stand here today in 2020 and say that we believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit. So would you stand this morning? We're gonna put these words on the screen and Pastor Quint and I are gonna lead you in this creed together as we end. It starts like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Let's just thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Have an incredible week. We'll see you next Sunday as we keep having these 30-minute theology conversations. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find all of our podcasts at eriefirst.org, including this one, as well as the Quintessential Ministry Podcast with Pastor Quint Lindblad. And if you're in or around Erie, Pennsylvania, we'd love for you to come and join us in person. Visit eriefirst.org to find out more.